This is NGBN TV, a network for men and home to top experts, speakers, authors, and more. Streaming TV for men, created by men. But why? Why are we a network that inspires, educates, entertains, celebrates, and supports men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s simply to save men's lives? There is an epidemic in our community, and it's taking men from us. I'm talking about mental health and suicide. But we have an answer, and it's streaming, live shows, sports, concerts, and more. In a real way for men to lock shields. We can't wait to launch this TV network for you and with you. 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 Join our movement at ngbn.tv coming January 2024. This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is brought to you by Amino Vitals. Amino Vitals' mission is to provide the highest quality of amino acid-based nutritional products to all athletes aspiring to improve their conditioning and performance. The BCAAs, glutamine and arginine, help replenish the body's muscle proteins and jumpstart the recovery process. I've been using Amino Vital since last fall, got introduced to them, and I see a positive impact from their action and recovery products. It helps me just get rid of some of those, you know, aches and pains that come with a tough workout. Hit up amino-vital.com. Use the code PUT6 at checkout and save 20% or just click on their link on the show page and save today. The mission of the Generation Next Project is to make a positive and direct impact on youth mental health within the golf community, providing players, families, and coaches with mental fitness tools and communication skills to thrive in today's world through the game of golf. The mental battle hit close to home for Generation Next founder Robert Jones Black after a family friend lost their son to suicide. Robert, who is the great-grandson of golf legend Bobby Jones, is back on the show today with his teammates from the organization who I recently met on a trip for their Change Your Course event. I'm Brian Jodis, and this is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Brian Jodis back once again with another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Absolutely thrilled to have three guests. It's a rarity that we're stacked this deep on this show with three other folks. Usually it's me, somebody else kind of talking, but I'm really excited to have the team from Generation Next. We've met some of them in some way, shape, or form before my friend Robert Jones Black is here. We've got BJ Zafrin and Carla Steingraber. And this is just an amazing team. I got to spend some time with them a few weeks ago. And we're going to talk a lot about what we did down there before we bring them in. Just again, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. You can see I got that One Nation coffee over my shoulder over there. Uh, we're well caffeinated on these airwaves. <laughs> you need no doubt about that. But I'm so thankful for John Richards. The amazing work that they're doing at One Nation Coffee to not only fuel up people every day, but also fuel up some great foundations. We're 100% aligned with them, and the coffee's good. That's the best part about it. So go check it out, One Nation Coffee. Use that promo code, and you can save some cash today, which is great, and they've got good stuff, and they're just great people. So let's bring everybody in. Robert, BJ, Carla, what's up? Good to have you guys. I'm excited to do this. Hey, Brian. Hey, hey. Thanks for having us. Hey. Yeah, thanks for having us. 
we are we are spread full across the digital divide today because I've got folks in multiple different areas and you guys all uh, serve different roles for this amazing organization called Generation Next. And let me just set the stage a little bit uh, because we talked to Robert about this, man, I, I don't even, probably a year, year and a half ago, go back in the archives, look up Robert Jones Black. You can see if you're watching on video, if you're on ngbn.tv, if you're watching on YouTube, it's kind of a famous golfer back behind my man there. And if you if you hear Robert Jones Black and you're like, Robert Jones, Bobby Jones, the Bobby Jones. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great, great grandson to a legend uh, in golf. And he sits over his shoulder. And we talked a lot about Robert's family story on that last podcast. And then we also talked about this idea that the genesis of this organization called Generation Next that's going to merge golf and mental health, which is a really neat way in which they're doing it. Robert, would you mind just first and foremost, give us just a, a quick summary reminder genesis of this amazing organization that you three are now such a, a big part of? Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I had to find something to do because I found out that genetics does not include the golf gene. Damn it. <laughs> uh, my ambitions. I saw being- you swing, man. You looked okay. You could get around that. You yeah. did all right. The the not that I will later reference all of my golf swing to to Coach BJ Zaffron down there. Perfect. Um, I would never do that to you, BJ. But uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, last time we talked, uh, I had just started uh, the charity officially. Uh, we were at the time really focused on just drawing awareness and attention to this youth mental health crisis that was uh, present prior to pandemic, but certainly everybody now I think is having the discussion that. Uh, the pandemic uh, did two things. Uh, it highlighted the issue and brought it to the forefront of conversation, but it also uh, threw some fuel on the fire for uh, for our kids where they got put into a, a year, year and a half situation where um, development was completely disrupted. Uh, their life and understanding of school and everything was disrupted. And since that time, what uh, I spent the work and time doing was coming up with a program that the charity can own and manage and call our car, you know, kind of our own original way of addressing this issue. And it was all stemmed from uh, the writings of Bobby Jones. Uh, I started going back and rereading some of the things mm-hmm. that he had written back in late 2020, early 2021, and saw that he just had this, um, you know, really uh, unique ability to, to tell the audience that golf and life are so much the same. And that created the concept that could we create an experiential learning program that young kids were focused in on the ages from 12 to 22 years old that are going through these transformational time from adolescence to college and where we see a lot of these disruptions occur. But could we use golf as uh, an experiential learning mechanism they can see what happens on the golf course from a mental and emotional standpoint. We can show them what those are, why they are what they are and how to work through those. But it's not, even though the byproduct would certainly be that their golf game would be enhanced by what we are teaching them. The real idea behind it and the value behind it was to show them that those same mental and emotional responses that they see on the golf course exist in real life. And so if we are able to demonstrate that on the golf course and then get them into a comfortable group learning environment to say, hey, let's talk about the life side of this. 
So here's one particular mental, uh, you know, uh, piece in, in your golf life. And where do we find that in your real life? And when they see that connection, they're able to say it's the exact same technique to work through it. So we talk about intentional thinking. We talk about uh, opportunities for excellence. We talk about managing expectations. So when I got that piece and the general foundation of that concept done, I had to go find talent and I had to find individuals that could represent those two critical elements, the golf side and the life side. And that's what really elevated uh, the program's intensity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think depth uh, and 2024 will be the full on launch. We've done a lot of beta work this year to try to feel out what works, what doesn't work. But with Carla Steingraber and BJ Safran coming on, this just hit a whole new level. And, I'll, you know, last party note on this, Brian, I've done a lot of things where I had a vision and you get to the end and you're like, I'm nowhere near where my vision originally was. This has stayed so intact. And, and BJ and Carla have just been able to say, I see exactly where this vision stays intact going through our processes mm -hmm. and what we want to bring in. And so it has just made an incredibly dynamic team, and I can't wait for uh, them to speak. Yeah, the podcast today. I'm I'm going to actually have you introduce them here in a moment. But before that, this thing, this thing of of mental health, it hit close to home though, because you yeah. had a family friend that ultimately had to go through the most terrible thing a parent can in, in losing a child to suicide, and yeah. and you you were like, we have to do something. Um, which is pretty incredible then to be able to put it all together and see it take shape and form. I, I just, I know it's been a lot for you, brother, to get it to this point, even from that fateful moment. Yeah, no, for sure. And it was a, you know, I think a, a bit of a perfect storm when you look at 2020, uh, there was nothing easy. I don't think for anybody, um, that was, uh, that was something that happened. It was April 17th of 2020. And it was my business partner uh, who's out in Dallas um, and his 12-year-old son and just a, a, a reactionary state due, due to something that he felt he had done wrong. Mm -hmm. And rather than having the emotional IQ and just understanding that I'm going to have to have consequences for this, I need to go downstairs and talk to my parents. Um, he made a reactive decision to harm himself. Um, and unfortunately, that was fatal. Um you accompany that with, uh, you know, just on my own personal career, having some significant disruptions during 2020, I think I just became very acutely aware and was very sensitive to what was going on around me. And I've got a five-year-old son at the time in my household, and I'm going, something's not right with how our youth is uh, being able to embrace technology, embrace all these things, a change in parenting uh, styles and mechanisms um, and they're just not built the way that we were built to have that resilience and grit and determination to get through the hard times of life. Yeah. Um, and anybody that has ever picked up a golf club knows perhaps <laughs> more than any other sport, that sport will challenge you more than anything else on your determination, your resilience and your grit. So it was a perfect match. You talk about merging golf and mental health. Let's start on the golf side, right? And that's where BJ comes into play. Right. So Robert, introduce us to our man here, right? His role in this, introduce us to him. And then let's let BJ kind of talk about his role and then we'll get to meet Carla too. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So I was introduced uh, to BJ through mutual friend and BJ and I are both in the same market. We're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, very familiar uh, prior to that introduction of BJ's uh, presence in the golf space. Uh, former professional player. Uh, he spent uh, the past few years uh, working with uh, college teams around the area. And most important, he had started a program, uh, a proprietary program. Um, I don't, BJ, you can tell me the time frame of actual starting called Theory 8, where he created his own concept and strategy of how to teach someone the proper technique and, and fundamentals of the golf swing. So that to me was a was a really big uh, eye opener. And one meeting with BJ, I think we met for an hour, hour and a half, and he showed me how much he puts into the mental side of the mm. game when he works with, if it's even uh you know, a 45 year old hack, or if it's a 17 year old phenom, exactly phenom going into a, a division one school at a full scholarship ride, mm -hmm. the, the conversation of mental approach was present and it just seemed like a perfect fit. So that is BJ Safford. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, the introduction. I mean, um, you know, golf has been a part of my life since I can remember. I played a lot of sports growing up. I, I played multiple sports in high school and beyond, um, played professionally, but it's always been golf has been that anchor for me. And so even when I wasn't a player, I was always helping somebody, whether it be, you know, someone that was a member at the club I was at that was a friend or their child or whatever. And that led to coaching high school team and then helping coach college teams and building a training program called Theory 8 Golf. That is basically um, how I see the golf swing through all of my training and my coaching of others. And so it's, you know, it's there's some psychology even to my own program in that it's got eight zones to the golf swing and there's principles in those zones. And and the thought in and in, in the theory is that we all, you know, from an anatomy standpoint, what we can attain and achieve is a little bit different, um, but the big difference is how the brain works to the body. And so those principles are just principles that we want to try to all adhere to, but how we're going to do it's differently. And having zones in the swing for me was a big psychological concept or break, if you will, in that, you know, in golf instruction or coaching, a lot of times if we tell a player to really focus on their hands at the start, their hands are too quick or something like that, right? They from a mental standpoint, they're thinking about the hands through the whole swing, and then that causes some other problems. So if we can say, hey, in zone two or whatever it may be, you know, your hands are too quick or they're doing this or doing that or whatever, right? They can kind of, as a as a training on their own, kind of focus in on that area. So there's some mental side of that. And then, you know, inevitably, when you're coaching someone privately or on a team in this game, one of the biggest things that we hear is, man, I hit it good on the range, but I just play awful on the golf course, right? And so that's that's all mental. And my first question back is, well, what changes? And it's just the fear of the result or yeah. the result matters, right? You know, you don't mind if you hit a ball on the range way left. I mean, you're kind of, you know, you might have some disgusting little comment after, but it doesn't really impact you emotionally. You just go on to the next ball and, and trying to get people to kind of understand that that's the same mentality, really, that great golfers have on the golf course as well. A shot is just a shot. And so, you know, when I met with Robert and heard about what he was doing and, and the things that I had seen in especially kids uh, of the generations now coming up that I've coached on teams or individually, 
I thought it was huge. I mean, I think there's there's a there's a great way to kind of bridge that gap between the game that they love and the mental things that they need, right, to work to get better to be a better golfer. And also, you can take those skills and and with with an expert like Carla, you can really transition to the the personal side of life, all the things that they have to deal with. One of the things that I talk about often is in my playing days, we didn't have social media, right? So if you made a mistake or you played bad, it might be in a newspaper, you know, the people that were there might've seen it, but it doesn't go to the masses, but nowadays instant. And so, you know, what we understand in this game is we win a lot. I mean, we lose a lot more than we win. And so how do you handle that mentally? Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, Robert talks a lot about, and he used this exact quote when I was with you guys, you know, golf is like life. You know, you get good breaks from bad shots, bad breaks from good shots. It's how you react to it. BJ, golf's always been a huge part of your life, but it wasn't always guaranteed that it was going to be there without bumps in the road. Do you mind just sharing part of that story, right? Because we got to yeah. hear it when we were in Georgia and it just, it was very impactful for the way in which you've had to physically and mentally work through something you love so much. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I trained my whole life. Uh, once I had gotten to be about a senior in high school, freshman in college, I knew without a doubt, this is what I was going to do for a living, um, was play professionally. And so, um, you know, I, I trained harder in college than I have ever thought was imaginable or needed, right? That's all I did. I was at the golf course right after school and I was there till dark every day. I didn't go to parties. I didn't do any of that stuff. And that was my choice. It wasn't a, a judgment thing. It was, I was really committed to playing at the next level and I felt I had a really good chance. And so I wanted to, I didn't want to leave anything on the table and not make it because I didn't put in as much as I could put in. And so I, I turned pro signed a nice um, sponsorship deal and about three or four months in, I started not feeling well. And so they didn't know what it was. I went through heart monitor tests and these kind of things, but basically I would just get really exhausted with in a moment's notice without any kind of precursor. And so I remember the last event I was playing in was um, I think in new Orleans and I was on the ninth hole. I just birdied the eighth hole. I was two under through eight holes, which isn't very deep into a tournament, but I was probably leading. It was a par five that was reachable in two. And so there was a weight there. So I sat down, I ate a banana and you know, my caddy's like, okay, it's, it's time for you to hit. And there was a road, the main entrance road came right along that hole. And I hit two balls out of bounds because I was so exhausted through eight mm. holes and I couldn't, I couldn't finish. I had my caddy get the car and come get me. And I, I left right there from the ninth tee box. And so that's when it became serious. So we started doing the test and they found out within about eight months, I stopped playing fully because I just couldn't get the consistency that I needed in my health to be able to compete at the level I needed to do and train at the level I needed to train at. And so um, through a bunch of tests, they just figured out that I had chronic mono. And so it just kept triggering back up. And so I had to take several years off. Um, and that just really was hard, right? I mean, you train for something your whole life and it, it wasn't that you just weren't good enough. You know, there's there's a little bit of, of you can understand if you're just not good enough, right? You can settle that if you put in enough work and you just didn't quite have it to some degree, you, you can you can be OK with that, right? You can work through that mentally and over time you can be OK with that. But for it just to be taken because you had this health thing come up, that's mm -hmm. hard to work. Right. And so it, it was a process to get there. And, and it's helped me being able to help others. And that's really you know, it, it flipped into that coaching and, and helping others. And now this, and that's really been kind of the gift for me to be in the game and helping others 
not what I intended or thought I would be doing, but yeah. it's, it's just, if not more rewarding. But you probably think back to those moments of the, the immediacy of that, of the game being taken away thinking, why, why does this have to happen to me now? Fast forward, right? All these years. And you can probably look back with some perspective and maturity and say, well, then my path was being set up to be able to have an impact in this. Now it's tough in that moment to be able to do that. And it's tough in the moment of life, whether it's on the golf course or in the classroom or in peer pressure to always know how to do what's right. And there's, especially for our youth, uh, there is just a lot of wires being crossed and a lot of messages being sent across that circuit breaker, man. And it's hard to handle all that sometimes. So Robert, you needed to bring golf into this thing, but you also needed to bring in neuroscience and pathways and really understanding the brain and all that. So introduce us to Carla and, and her role in this world. Yeah, ab absolutely. That was one of the, the, uh, first big components, I think even prior to the golf side. And uh, I was uh, fortunate to be introduced to Carla uh, through her uncle, who I'd done some work with a couple of years ago and still friends with now. And uh, he's a board member of the chair. Shout out Uncle Rick. Shout out to Uncle, uncle Rick. Rick. Yeah, everybody knows Uncle Rick. Uh, but it, <laughs> Uncle Rick said, you know, my niece is uh, is in this space and, and perhaps would be a good conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time I was having multiple conversations, but um look just kind of looking at Carla's approach um the type of clientele that she was working with which I'll let her go through and explain um it it had all spectrums in terms of age uh, she had athletes uh it really fit well but I think most important for me um uh, beyond the, the 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 experience the expertise the intelligence and everything uh, I found her to be somebody that if we put her in front and this was a critical element for whoever took this role if we put her in front of a group of 13 year olds that we're not going to have to spend the entire time trying to break down defenses. Mm. Um, you'll see here. And just as soon as Carla starts talking um, it's, it's, it's gentle, it's innocent. There doesn't seem to be an agenda. Uh, she's not pressing for uh, information out of the participants. I just felt like it was the, the perfect fit that a adolescent male or an adolescent female or anybody else could feel comfortable with Carla in the room, comfortable engaging in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So um, put her on and she's uh so she is uh, our chief psychologist and also president of the charity. So Carla. Well, I almost thought that was a setup. I thought BJ was going to chime in and, <laughs> and discredit that introduction. Well, <laughs> easy to talk to. <laughs> There's still time, right, BJ? Yeah, I'm not a 13 year old I, boy anymore, so you're different with me. Well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a 13 year old boy and a 42 year old man's. We, we might all be. Yeah, <laughs> Carla might be surrounded by three 13 year olds yeah. dressed in 40 something bodies. Yeah. Then how Plus, about the, let, yeah. the three of let the three of us just step out of the way, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Graver, the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, thank you, Robert, for that nice introduction. So I, I was introduced to Robert, and we definitely jived really well in terms of uh, what kids today need to learn more about. Um, and certainly when BJ and I met, I, I feel like also he's really in line in terms of what's going on with youth today, certainly the population in general, but we see this a lot with youth. With social media, there's so much comparison 
And it really is the root of a lot of unhappiness. We look at other people, uh, what they post that they're doing, what we think that they're doing. Um, usually it's a, some kind of a mirage. It's not even real, but the assumption is it is, and I'm not as good as that other person. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of my work with athletes as well as with other people is starting to break down that comparison piece and that the competitive piece that is so much about comparison and go back to what are your individual goals? What are you uh, pursuing that's going to make this this whole journey worthwhile and meaningful when you look back on it, you know, in 40 years or what have you? So we work on perspective a lot, which has to do with managing expectations one of the primary goals of our program. It's really incredible. Had the again the honor to sort of see it firsthand. So let's set the stage a little bit for for what this work is going to look like, right? What you're going to be doing here. So through the Generation Next project, you have a program that's called Change Your Course, and the whole idea is to immerse right youth into the game of golf to then be able to talk about and address the challenges that they face mentally and emotionally. So before we do, I want I want to kind of Quentin Tarantino this thing. We take a quick break. We're going to show our audience a video that Pick Up the Six Productions produced in partnership with our friends at Generation X Project from your Change Your Course event. And what they did here was, again, this is a program for youth, but they you got to get you got to get adults to be able to know what it is. So they brought supporters and adults into this amazing golf course in Georgia, Champions Retreat, gorgeous twenty-seven hole golf course to show them what this program was like. So let's watch. So you guys get to see it and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. First of all, just what'd you think of experiencing this? Yeah, super fun, super cool. And you know, it's stuff that really makes you think. Welcome everybody. We've got a really special two days here for everybody that's participating. Golf has this amazing way of being the master, requiring problem solving on your part, managing adversity, learning how to ask for help, and getting comfortable with humility. The game of golf is like the game of life. You get bad breaks from good shots, you get good breaks from bad shots, but you have to play the ball as it lies. We're gonna take you out on the golf course. We're gonna show you all of the many, many, many mental and emotional reactions and disruptions and everything that happened on the golf course. That's called experiential learning. So this morning, we're gonna do the nine hole challenge. It's certainly designed to have some tough lies, some tough breaks, some good breaks, and then to make decisions based on those moments. And these are high pressure critical moments for some of these young men and women. And it's really, really good to see kind of a simulation of a lot of that from our point of view as parents and as adults at this point. So it was really great to see. This is our first challenge. Only one person from the team is gonna hit. So when we call your team up, everybody come up, we're gonna flip a tee and that's gonna decide who hits. So certainly people deal with first tee jitters or some kind of fear of failure all the time. Class presentations, uh, asking somebody out, uh, public speaking of course, being on stage, what have you. And that's kind of what we're after. What, what are the kids doing in a big pressure situation? Are they able to pull away from the pressure and kind of think through what they're trying to do and kind of understand that process. So that's really what that challenge is about. The opportunities like Generation Next there, giving us a platform to openly talk about it, to raise the questions, thought-provoking questions of, hmm, 
maybe that's me maybe that's my child maybe that's my co-worker you know that's it's it's phenomenal so I'm just glad to be a part how can you get in it with them instead of just saying don't do this don't do this this is an organization that does that very very well So Robert, you you literally put folks on the golf course to see this thing. And let's use the first tee jitters as an example for the rest of our conversation. Right? And I want to treat this like what you did at the luncheon where you then discussed it with the folks that were part of it. But basically, you've got all these different groups. They're going to play golf. They're going to go on this nine-hole challenge. We're going to have to face all these different bits of adversity, starting from a bunker, playing with one club, hitting from around a tree. First tee jitters was the very first one you put everyone on where you brought every group out. As you saw, BJ flipped a tee and one guy at random at the last second had to then stand up in front of 80 people and tee off. I mean, I would be fright. I mean, like you want to talk about real nerves. I would be so worried about just absolutely screwing that up. So what was the, what was the point, Robert? Like walk us through that and then let's just, Let's leverage our experts just like you did at the lunch at the event. I think that's a fa- I think it's a great way to do this too. Uh, I I will just uh, no pun intended. Gosh, I'm going to tee it up. <laughs> I'm going to tee it up. What a pro! You've yeah. been practicing uh, that one, Robert. I, did. I, wow. I, I thought I was going to make it at least 30 minutes in the podcast before I threw that out there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let me tee it up because I think just in general. With the the concept was to create a nine hole challenge where each hole uh, was was challenging some sort of mental or emotional response that you'll find on the golf course. Um, the reason for that is, and the challenge to to doing that is to try to create a synthetic or you know version to create emotion as much as we can when they're not actually in you know that moment. Mm-hmm. So. The first tee jitters is such a great example because we knew we could easily simulate uh, and put these people in a very uncomfortable position where, look, we get first tee jitters with foursomes. Um, I'll get first tee jitters uh, oh, every yeah. summer when I go to Boone and play with my my same four friends. We've been doing it for 15 years. That first tee, I get a little nerved up and that creates some physiological things, mainly around tension and speed and things of that nature. But we knew that there were certain things that we could do on the golf course. And this is really, I'm going to have BJ go first and talk about the golf side of this. But this is the art and mastery of BJ to say, how can we simulate? How can we try to get these guys to get uncomfortable? Um, We don't want them to just go through the challenge course in this nonchalant, well, this is an absolute fun way. It is fun. Absolutely. It's a blast. But it's also intended to just get them disrupted a little bit, get them uncomfortable where those mental responses or emotional responses are highlighted. So that first one, first tee jitters, I'll let BJ explain, uh, you know, what that is from the golf side. And this is what we do with every program. I'll tee it up. We'll say, here's the first challenge. And then BJ is going to talk about how this applies on golf. And then Carla comes in. And to me, that's like the magic moment to say, now look at how first tee jitters, when we talk about first tee jitters, you're going to find it in real life. So yeah, let BJ go through on 
the specifics of first tee jitters on the uh, golf challenge? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, first tee jitters, we all think about it's the first tee. It's the first shot of the round for a lot of people, adults or kids to them. It, it carries more weight than some of the other shots because it kind of signals how the day is going to go, mm -hmm. even though it shouldn't. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, with juniors, we see them really, um, they lose focus because the nervousness is so high. The anxiety is so high on that first shot. A lot of times, um, even with our skilled players, our college athletes or whatever, you know, that first tee is so important to them. And we, and we try to tell them, Hey, it's just another shot of, of a multitude of many today. It's, it doesn't carry any more weight than any of the others. But for some reason, all of us innately just feel a lot more pressure on that shot, right? And then, then you add the component of everybody standing there watching. Then we add the component of, okay, now you're on a team. So we put people in groups, right? You don't, and typically, they don't know each other. Um, and then at the last second, we say only one of you is going to hit. So now yeah, you love that part. I love that well part for your team. Right. And we don't know who it is. And so we what we do also, and this is a key component of this this challenge, is we told the participants, everybody bring a club up. OK, so it's not we all stand here, flip a tee and then y'all go decide what he's going to hit. Everybody bring the club that you would hit here. So everybody's standing on the tee with the club that they would hit there's some uniqueness there and there's some psychology there. And I asked one of our participants, CJ Beatty, who some of your, your uh, viewers might know, I said, CJ, why did you hit driver? Because we tell the participants and we reiterate it again, it's the straightest tee ball. You're not playing this hole out. This is just first tee, straightest tee ball. And we have a rope there. And if you're within, you know, a certain distance, you get a score. If you're outside of that, you get a different score. Right. And so that's the score for your team. And so, you know, and that that's that simulates what happens on a golf course, especially even at the college level, where a lot of kids, if the other kids in their group are hitting driver, will pull driver, right? Mm. It may not necessarily need to be a driver. And so we want to see who can think during that pressure of what they're most skilled to do, because we have different levels of skill on that tee box, right? And so if if I'm better, if I'm not a great driver of the ball. Can I hear in all my nervousness and anxiety that it's just the straightest shot? I can mm. pull my best club and hit the straightest shot and really help my team out. Or am I so hyper like aware of what everybody else is doing because I'm nervous and I'm anxious and I want to be accepted and I want to do well here and I want to hit this first shot good because it starts the day and all those things. And so I asked CJ Beatty, I said, why did you pull driver? And his literal answer was because everybody else did. And he was like, he had an aha moment, like, well, I don't know why I pulled driver because everybody else did. And so we really, we try to hone in on that point there. Like you, you're, you're nervous. There's anxiety. People are watching the stress of that. You're, you're afraid of being judged, right? If you hit the first tee ball, more people see your first tee shot, especially at like a college tournament or high school event, than they see any other shot you hit. So you're afraid of being judged, even if you hit it bad, but you end up shooting under par, you right. feel like person feels like more people judged you because of that shot than the under par score. Right. And so can you think clearly, can you calm yourself down and think clearly and make the right decision that's best for your skill set? And Carla, it's so applicable to real life. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's so many opportunities where you're getting up there for the first time, whether it's a tryout or being on stage, asking somebody out on a date, 
um, there, when you have to approach something that's a little bit nerve wracking or awkward, even fessing up to something that you've done or didn't do, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of that initial nervousness or trying something for the first time, that self-consciousness that comes up, that feeling of being judged. Yeah, we're all, all uh, happens to all of us. What are the tangibles then for folks to be able to work through those kind of moments? Well, there are definitely different kinds of techniques that you can use that we teach in sports psychology or even in clinical psychology, whether it be um, some kind of a mindfulness technique, going up with a mental game plan, et cetera, uh, however you're going to to warm up in your mind. Uh, There are many different techniques that we can work on, visualization, et cetera. But ultimately, what's really important is that you start to separate yourself from the sense of shame Uh, so that you don't have that self-consciousness in the first place. You really step away from it because people are usually not really judging you quite the same way as you think they are. So if we can distance ourselves, apply a little bit of logic, and then tune in on what we need to focus on as opposed to the things that we don't need to focus on, then we're much more in the game. There's always going to be another shot, right? And that's a metaphor for life and for golf. (laughs) There's another one coming. And if you you duck snort the first one, it's... Let's put another one back. Put it's a breakfast ball, man. You get a mulligan anyways. Like put put another. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? How often I tell young people, whatever sport they're playing, how many games have you played so far? And they're like, mm, two hundred maybe. I'm like, well, how many more do you have left in your career? They're like, maybe four hundred. I'm like, so this is one game. That's right. <laughs> out of these six hundred yeah. games you're going to play that you're worried about, and then they're like, yeah. oh, you're right. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? I got an idea. I got a challenge whole idea for in the future because I didn't see this one deployed at yours. It's so many great ones. I absolutely loved it. You need a speed hole where the team literally is on a stopwatch. Maybe you did this. I might've missed yeah. it. a speed hole on yeah. a stopwatch. Certain amount. So they've got to be able to calm themselves down in the moment where they feel super stressed. And if they don't get the hole done in that amount of time, they end up getting like a 10 or something. You know what I mean? So like, I, we need a speed hole. So go ahead and talk we, about We actually, we have a, a lot of different challenges and it depends on what course we're at. Nice. Okay. What challenge works, but we did yeah. that at one of our other events. The last Love hole it. was, oh yeah. Speed hole, right? I mean, because then they got to fly up there and they got to make a good golf oh, yeah. shot, but they got to calm themselves down. So we're on the it same does. And Brian, I'll pull out some, one more quick thing on that. And Carla, uh, I think would com- confirm this statement. And when we talk about simulation, being out of breath is probably the closest thing you could really come to, to the anxiousness, nervousness, where, you know, we've got butterflies in our stomach, we're having trouble catching our breath anyway. And so that was one of the actual kind of added values uh, to doing the speed piece. One is mm. you got to go on instinct. You got to go on um, the concept of trust your training. Uh, you can't sit there and take 10 practice swings and adjust your grip and swing. You got to select club, go, and for the team's sake, keep yeah, booking, booking, go, booking. go, yeah. But as they lost that the air and as they were, you know, really working uh, at a fast pace, you're hitting the golf ball. Um, in a state of very, I, w- I would say, similar to, very close to. It's never uh, that's never replicated. You never, state. you never hit a golf ball like that, right? It's not a no. sport where in which you're, yeah. you're, you're pegged out cardiovascularly like that. It's, it would yeah. be, yeah. It's a great, it's a great experience and something to put somebody through. You no, know, Brian. One thing to mention too, um, 
like for this challenge or the moment you're talking about that, that first day with with any of the functions that we do, whether it be with kids or we're trying to show adults what we do, those nine challenges, we don't tell them what they're about. We just yeah. say, here's the challenge mm-hmm. and you go play it. We have a high school team that we're going to work with in a week and we do some kind of uh, preemptive work to understand. And Robert can talk about this w- kind of what their traits are, or what they believe their traits are. And then when they do the first nine hole challenge, we kind of watch and see how true are they to the things that they said in that analysis and where do they kind of deviate? And they don't know what the challenges are. So we get the real ability to kind of watch them and then train them, you know, personally as well in their habits. Yeah. That's really, really cool guys. We only have a few minutes left. It's been just so great to, to get to know the three of you again and, and meet our new friends here and talk about the work you're doing. But Robert, I want our listeners to know really where they can go to support you guys that can find out what's going on. So can you just give me like, just sort of where we're at now and a bit of a data dump, right? Where folks can go see more, uh, support your cause, right? This is, again, it's a nonprofit guys. They need your help. So give us some of that. Well, we we are certainly on the social media side, uh, most active with Instagram and Facebook at this present point. Uh, I think the Instagram handles in, in, uh, generation underscore next underscore project. Uh, and then Facebook uh, would just be at generation next project. So from a social media standpoint, um, we're getting more and more into uh, posting content and you'll see a lot of that uh, coming up this winter and into the next year as we start really ramping up uh, the promotion of of a big, big year ahead for us. Uh, our website's generationnextproject.org. Uh, you can get general information on the Change Your Course program. Uh, there's uh, donation opportunities there. Uh, we still have some uh, some uh, pullovers, three quarter or quarter zip pullovers that are for sale. You could grab a beautiful uh, Augusta themed pullover. Uh, every 100% of those proceeds go to the charity. So, uh, but just some good general information at generationnextproject.org. That's awesome. Um, and look, you know, you guys listening, watching, you've noticed a, a theme that's been just running through a lot of these episodes recently. And it's it's sharing stories, it's getting to know people, but it's also then breaking down the walls, getting rid of the stigmas around mental health and just busting them up, right? We're here to talk yeah. about it. We're here to address it and not just talk about it. We're here to actually work on it, right? That's what these guys are doing. They're here to work on it. And they're here to take a real applicable thing, this game of golf, right? Which is stressful enough in and of itself. It's a stressful game, but it's also a great, beautiful game that is a metaphor for life and then merge right? What Carla's talking about from a science standpoint, I just love what you guys are doing. Thrilled to have helped them be a part of it in a small way. And also super excited for what you guys have coming up in the future as well. Well, we, I want to say on behalf of all of us, we look forward to working with you again. You did an outstanding job with our event and uh, we, we definitely want to keep you uh, close by. And listen, I even got a chance to hit a golf ball and I, the first one was terrible. And then they were like, here, hit another one. Then boom. Yeah, I wouldn't say I beauty. smoked it, but it was a nice, it was a you nice smoked shot. It 100, 180 yards, There's no smoking anything in my golf game. It was, <laughs> nice, it was a nice shot, but I did have my cup. My yeah. coach was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relative. Guys, it's been great to talk to you. Let's do it again soon. Okay. You got thanks, it. Yeah. Thank thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. That's the team from Generation Next Project. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. <laughs>